You're listening to the Law Careers Net podcast, a monthly podcast designed to give you everything you need to know about becoming a lawyer. Hello, and welcome back to the Law Careers Net podcast, sponsored by the University of Law. We're delighted to be bringing you another episode this month. Hopefully, you've been keeping up with our new practice area profile episodes, which have been coming out over the summer. We've got episodes covering practice areas such as corporate finance and real estate law, so do check those out now if you would like to. But we're back today with our usual programming, and this episode is all about building a sustainable career in law, something that should hopefully be important to all of you. I spoke to career coach and ex-lawyer Helen Pamely about setting yourself up for a long and successful career, avoiding burnout, dealing with imposter syndrome, and preparing to enter the world of law. We also had a great chat about toxic productivity on social media and how everything you see on TikTok and Instagram might not match up to reality. I really hope you enjoy this episode with Helen. Okay, I'm delighted to have Helen Pamely here with us today on the Law Careers Net podcast. Thank you very much for coming on, Helen. Would you like to start by introducing yourself? Yeah, great. Thanks so much, Bethany. So I'm Helen Pamely. I was a lawyer in London for 10 years and now I'm the career coach for lawyers and I coach on wellbeing and performance. Great. And we've got lots of things that we're excited to talk about today. And I think it's going to be a very useful episode for aspiring lawyers and also for people who are practicing law, perhaps as well. Before we move on to talk about your life as a career coach now, I'd love to hear about your kind of own legal career journey from trainee to partner. So why did you get into law? And if you could tell us a bit more about your career journey. Yeah, so I think, I mean, it's a strange one. I think I always sort of wanted to be a lawyer. You know, my father, he used to work in, in the courts a lot. And he, he was actually a social worker, but he used to come home and tell me all the stories of the judges and the barristers. And, you know, I think I found it all very exciting. So I liked the idea of that. I went to university and I studied law with German law at Nottingham. And you sort of get the beauty parades of all the different firms coming in. And I think before I knew it, I sort of swept up in all of that and swept up with the idea of becoming a lawyer in London. And it wasn't actually an easy path in. I didn't really know anyone in the legal profession and I was really struggling to get back schemes. So cutting a very long story short, after my year abroad in Germany, I was applying to law firms out there as well just to get an internship. So I ended up with one at Mayor Brown. And once I had Mayor Brown on my CV, I started getting the interviews in London and then I ended up with Linklaters. So I did the Linklaters training contract. I qualified there into disputes and I left at about three years qualified. And then I ended up at City Law Firm, Roslyn King, where I made partner at six years qualified. So why did you decide after practicing law to transition into coaching? Well, I think for me, what became apparent really quickly as soon as I was in the profession was actually how much need there was for better overall health and well-being. I could see sort of across the profession in law, but not, not just law, it was the whole city. It was finance, it was banking, everything, people working crazy hours. And I could see a lot of the time that people's sort of self-care and their well-being was coming second and how much people were struggling. And I kind of wanted to find a way that I could really offer a solution which worked. I could see a lot of well-being offerings out out there in terms of people coming in and saying try this or try that or go to this workshop but they didn't understand the city 
they weren't actually lawyers they weren't people from that background so that sort of pushed me into becoming really interested in well-being and mental health I then trained as a psychotherapist so I've sort of got a deep understanding and background of all that now and then what I realized was what I really want is to help people to achieve their best to reach their potential to become the best versions of themselves and so really coaching is the way to do that because it's all about us trying to work out our why what what are the things which really motivate us that light that spark inside of us then we can achieve our best and we're only going to achieve our best if we're feeling good in ourselves so it kind of all links in together and that's really what I what I love to help people with. And I imagine that you having practiced law and experienced life as a lawyer and a partner in the city has really informed your ability to be able to coach other people and and use your own experiences in that. Because as you said, you know, lots of career coaches might not understand the kind of certain pressures and environments of working in the law and in, in city law. So have you found that you're uniquely placed to be able to speak to lawyers and be a career coach for lawyers? Yeah, I I really do. I think being a lawyer, particularly in the city or not just this jurisdiction, but other ones, you know, it's high intensity, long hours. It requires so much of you. It's mentally a real challenge. I think being a lawyer, I sort of think of it akin to being a bit like a top athlete. We are trained meticulously to be the best at what we do. And along with that come all of the challenges because, you know, we have to train constantly. We have to be really good at what we do. We have to study. We have to deliver constant, excellent client service. You know, how do we do that? How do we stay in the right mind frame? How do we actually look after ourselves in the process? How do we feel happy inside? And I just don't feel that you have quite the same angle on it if you haven't lived it. If you've actually lived it and you know what it's like to do a week of all-nighters, you know, you you know what that feels like. And I think ex- explaining that to somebody who hasn't been in that situation, I'm not saying that in a disparaging way, but I think it's just really understanding what it's like to be in the trenches. And I think what also happened for me was about three years qualified, something just clicked and I realised what I needed to do to really fly up the ranks. And ironically, in some senses, I really took my foot off the pedal at that point. Not took my foot off the pedal, perhaps, but I just relaxed into it a lot more. And that enabled, enabled me to be more successful at that point I was actually working part-time I was working three days a week while I did my master's but actually I was more efficient and effective than ever and so I think this is the thing we have to realize that it's not just about pushing ourselves as hard as we can it's about working out how to work in a more intelligent way that's so interesting so you think that you were probably you know more efficient and better working when you were able to do something that you loved alongside not that you didn't love the law but something that you love which was your master's I think that's that's very interesting that we always say to lawyers and aspiring students don't lose the things that that make you you and in fact being able to do those extracurricular activities and those hobbies and those things that you're you know passionate about outside of the law will enable you to be a better lawyer because you'll come with a kind of fresh mindset and refreshed to to your job would you say that's true I think that's completely true and I think the irony is is that a lot of the law firms want people who are sort of these super duper individuals who speak five languages play the piano whatever it is but as soon as you work in the law firm it's like there's no time to do it but I think a lot of the time you know the pressure can come from the work itself but the pressure also comes from the individual wanting that external validation wanting to achieve and I think it's about us learning how to prioritize what's important for us like if we know that actually going to the gym is something which we really 
really need to feel good how can we make sure that we have that gym time in the week actually can it be a case of you know just having a conversation with your supervisor and saying oh, I just kind of want to plan my week a bit so that I can fit these things in how would that look how might that fit with the team and I think a lot of juniors just forego a lot of stuff without realizing that it could be different Perhaps you could elaborate a bit more on the sort of work that you do now as a coach and the sort of conversations and, and workshops that you do. Yeah, I mean, gosh, I, it sort of varies, really, because I coach people all the way from the most junior to the most senior. One thing about what I offer in terms of my services, I really just want to make it accessible to people at different levels. That's really important for me. So I think at the junior levels, it's a lot around getting ahead in your career, how to stand out, how to get noticed, having a plan having an actionable plan, career goals, and just building up that skill set so that you can be the best lawyer you can be. I also talk a lot and do workshops, for example, specifically for women in law, how to get ahead as a woman. And I think both for men and women, women, I want to make it clear that it is for both, but I talk a lot about mindset, about imposter syndrome. I do think the biggest roadblock all of us have is ourselves. I think if we can get past ourselves, honestly, that's 95% of the struggle. So I focus a lot on mindset and what gets in the way. And then at the partner level, it's a lot more strategic. It's a lot more thinking about, okay, so where do I want my career really to go? How do I want my life to look? In fact, a lot of it is focused a lot more broadly around the life at that point, because it's like, okay, I've got the career. I've got this great job, but actually, is this really the job I want? Am I really living the life that I want? So that's quite exciting too. And what's your favourite part about being a career coach? What do, what do you most enjoy? For me, it's, it might sound a bit corny, actually, but it, it's quite honestly just really noticing when I make a difference to someone, whatever that might be, that honestly lights a fire inside of me. It, I think it's just wonderful to see that the work, when you see that the work you do has meaning and it improves someone else's life and their happiness, that's just a wonderful thing. Because a lot of our listeners might be kind of aspiring lawyers or, or lawyers at the very beginning of their career or career journey. I wonder, and you said you obviously work with students at the, at the beginning of, of their careers as well. What are some of the common questions and issues you find cropping up? I think at the beginning of careers, it, it, it's generally around sort of knowing how to stand out, how to be different how to get noticed I think you know at the application stage it's so difficult isn't it I mean I had the same problem myself it's like well okay I've got a first class degree I've got great credentials I think <laughs> I think you're looking around everyone's got great credentials you know like how, how do you actually secure that training contract so once you've got the training contract how do you show that you're a great trainee and then how do you qualify into the department you want and I think one thing that I see a lot at the junior stage at the senior stage too as well actually is that if you say to somebody okay tell me why you want this tell me what makes you stand up they'll start telling you about what it is they do i'll say okay well i i want to be a corporate lawyer because i'm really interested in xyz to do with mna etc 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 every single student is saying that okay yes you need to say that you need to know enough about mna that you, you don't sound like you're totally clueless when it comes to the city but what really is going to sell is your story what actually has brought you to this point in your life like what's your life experience what's actually even made you want to be a lawyer because to put it in break in coaching terminology that's your why that's what people are going to buy into so I think really value yourself and come back to your own inner value and think about what is it that makes you different and it might not actually be the legal point but it's going to be something to do with your story and that's what people are going to buy into 
And I guess that feeds into the idea of personal branding as well. And, you know, something to make you memorable, whether that's at application stage or at interview. So would you say that personal branding is a similar thing that barring lawyers should develop and demonstrate as well? Yeah, I think personal branding, and I'm really struggling with this term at the moment because I haven't thought of a better one. It's a difficult concept because like, okay, what is this personal brand? I think if you ask a lot of people, it sort of gets a bit lost. I personally think we should think of our careers like a business. Okay, a business has a brand. Like, what does it stand for? I think this comes back to exactly what you said, exactly what we're talking about in terms of what is your why? What are the motivations that define your purpose? Why are you doing what you're doing? Because once you're clear on that, that's going to come out in everything you do. It's about getting really clear on what your values are, what you stand for. Because if my values are, you know, something to do with honesty and integrity and being truthful in the world and wanting to constantly think outside of the box and think of new ways of doing things, find people and find firms who align with you. Because not only are you going to be happier, you are going to perform at your best because you're then going to have the opportunity to really show your full potential and you're going to have the energy to do it. I think what happens to a lot of people, especially at the beginning of their careers, is they just think, okay, I've got to get a training contract. They do a scattergun approach to every firm under the sun. Are they going to be a good fit for every firm? No. It's just impossible. So it's about really intentionally thinking about where you want to go, not just with your career, but your life, because that that will mean you're more successful overall. And that feeds into the idea of why research is just so important at that application stage, because if you have this idea of who you are, what you're good at, what drives you, your why, as you said, you need to find a firm that matches with that. And you're not going to be able to do that by just quickly Googling or going on a few websites. You need to understand the firm. You need to get in-person work experience. You need to meet people at the firm. So would you say that, you know, research this is one of the reasons why research is just so important for aspiring lawyers as well. Yeah, I I think so. I think it's really, really important to do your research, to look at the different firms. I mean, I suppose to slightly contradict myself here, I mean, at the end of the day, I know how hard it is to get a training contract. If you get a training contract and you hate your firm, at the end of the day, once you qualify, you can move firms. It's not the end of the world. But I do think you will do better and reach your potential. land somewhere you know that's good for you in the first place and I think also as you say the more work experience you have even if it isn't at the firm you end up at you're going to understand the job better understand what being a lawyer really means I remember going around the city of London uh, when I was a student sort of uh, going for back scheme interviews or whatever it was looking up at these huge buildings and thinking that's all full of lawyers like what do they even do like what what, how how is there a need for that many lawyers I didn't understand it and I suppose in the interest of full disclosure I actually applied to Linklaters for a back scheme and I got rejected I didn't even get an interview and then at my training contract interview the partner actually said to me um oh so uh well if you love Linklaters so much why didn't you do our back scheme and I said well you rejected me And uh, he was like, oh, okay, then, you know, so I think that's also something where I'm not giving up. And to be fair, I hadn't worked at Linklaters before that point, but I I had had experience in an international firm by them. And now a short message from our podcast sponsor, the University of Law. What really sets a University of Law apart from other universities is their belief that students should learn in a realistic, professional and contemporary context. They focus exclusively on practice-based training and give students access to their career service and jobs vacancy database as soon as they accept a place on a course. Through the Pro Bono programme, law students can hone their skills by working on real cases before they graduate. Find out more about studying at the University of Law with the link in the podcast description. Mm 
there's a period of time um which I always find interesting in between students being offered a training contract and obviously there's you know usually about two years before they actually start and obviously during that time they'll be perhaps doing a conversion course or LPC or SQE prep or, or whatever but there's probably a lot of things that future trainees can be doing during that time to prepare themselves for their training contract and I say that not just by you know reading around the news and keeping up to date but also perhaps like mentally preparing themselves for being sustainable and being able to you know survive their training contract so um how can students would you say prepare for their training contract before it starts <laughs> this is probably not the answer you're expecting but the first thing I would just say is have fun and enjoy that time you know go around the world go traveling etc we're so privileged today you can listen to Simon Sinek diary of a CEO whatever you want on your podcast as you travel around Thailand we've got all of this at our fingertips like really enjoy life and find out about yourself deepen your self-awareness learn about yourself because the more aware you are of you and what you want and what you need for your well-being the more successful you're going to be just having that ability to notice in your body when you're getting stressed and anxious learning the life skills you need around that to be able to look after yourself when you do get stressed it's not I think it's difficult for a lot of people because we come from education we come from school and university and we've worked so hard to get to where we've got to it's really hard to learn how to actually let your foot off the gas a bit and that's actually a really key skill in law because those who have their foot on the on the gas all the time are the ones who burn out so I would actually say almost just like see if you can just loosen a bit around it get some experience if you want paralegaling cool but just just enjoy your life, learn about yourself and really clue up on what it means, what the business world means. Watch Dragon's Den, listen to people who talk about leadership. Don't just think about the next couple of years. Think about where you want to be in 10 years. And I don't mean that in a kind of intense way, but I just mean learn, soak it all up and start becoming the person you really want to be. Oh, that's such good advice. Thank you. You mentioned the term burnout, which I wanted to talk about, because I feel like in 2022, the word burnout, as you mentioned at the beginning, you know, we know that the legal profession in the industry is intense. It, It can be long hours and burnout is this thing I think people are starting to understand a bit more. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, burnout is a really is something that's really serious. I think it is banded around a lot as a term. I mean, if we actually really, really do burn out, what's happening there is we're putting ourselves under sort of sustained stress over a very long period of time. That has physiological effects on the body. You're not going to feel well. You know, your muscles will probably start aching. You might have all sorts of other problems coming up. It also does have effects on the brain. If you look at brain scans and things of people who are suffering burnout, it is it is reversible, but it's really tough when you get to that point. We do not want to get to that point, ideally. And I think this is this whole thing, as I was mentioning, around sort of awareness, really, in terms of I think it's really worth us educating ourselves just a bit around what stress is, how we handle stress. Not all stress is bad, by the way. You need a certain amount of stress to get up in the morning if you didn't have a call or a job you just lie in bed all day you know well that's not ideal either really so you know a certain amount of stress is good um it helps us be ambitious it helps us achieve our goals but it's when it sort of becomes too much as I say over a long period of time so it's really making sure that we have the things in our life that enable us to actually dial back again and find that peace and take our foot off the gas and maybe that's sport maybe that's meditation maybe that's yoga whatever that looks like for you but I think in this world especially for young people because we're so we've got Instagram and all the rest of it in our face constantly we have to find time to switch off we have to 
create some sort of boundaries in our life so we're not always on because I mean just from a neurological perspective that's terrible for us and you know if we do burn out there are things we can do to dial back from that but then we the self-care has to be ramped right up so we don't want to let it reach that point and I think it's really important for young people to go into the legal profession to realize it is tough at some of the firms in particular the hours will be extremely long and it's just thinking about how you can really look after yourself as best possible. I think the social media point's really interesting there as well, because as I scroll through TikTok slash Instagram reels, I noticed a lot of corporate people kind of glamorizing the idea of working really, really long hours and they're kind of making it look really glamorous. And I think it, I think the term is perhaps toxic productivity. You know, you've got to be productive at all times of the day. And even, even I see people, you know, what did I see? It's like my five to nine before my nine to five. Like I'm going to get up at five in the morning and I'm going to do all these things, you know, my side hustle, my gym and all of this. And then I'm going to work nine till five. And, uh, you know, that, that can't be healthy. Like you have to give yourself a break and you have to accept that not you don't have to be productive at all times so have you seen kind of anything about that or any clients observing that too yeah I mean I think that's a really good point I mean what we see on Instagram first of all is not the real world same for TikTok I mean I'll be the first one to admit it I don't take videos and put it on my Instagram as soon as I've got out of bed in the morning or if I'm in a particularly bad mood I'm not taking a video we're all showing to a certain extent the best versions of ourselves or at least it's it, you know I try and be honest but it's, it's a curated version right <laughs> and I think we have to bear that in mind and I think you're right especially at the what's happened I think in the legal sphere is that particularly on TikTok and Instagram maybe less so on LinkedIn you've got a lot of people at the junior end who are actually professing to have a lot of knowledge now if somebody at the junior end is saying this is what I'm doing that's what I'm doing okay we'll give them three years of doing that and let's let's see where they end up is that realistic is that sustainable and I think we have to be really careful what information we take in its credibility who's saying it and just think about really whether it's real or not and I think this idea of constantly being switched on you know this toxic productivity it's not healthy and and I mean I can vouch for the fact that as I mentioned in my career I became a lot more successful actually when I managed to create really strong boundaries in my life I don't think anyone who's senior would advocate being on 24 7 and I think if there are people saying that then that's really something just to take note of and perhaps just filter your Instagram accordingly (laughs) yeah good idea yeah I see a lot of day in the life of a commercial or you know commercial I don't know just kind of glamorizing this idea of old corporate slash commercial life and yeah it's not it's not real life it is just pictures of people with their Starbucks like going into the office and views from the office and stuff but it's not necessarily they're not showing all the bad things absolutely not and I think the key around that is you know without saying too much I think sometimes I watch these videos of the day in the life of and I think I never had the time to even get a Starbucks like you know I didn't sit there looking out the window I wouldn't have had time to even take a photo of my lunch like honestly it can be that that busy and I just think you know this idea that I mean I remember one of my um, secretaries once looking at me and she said oh my gosh the last six weeks she said I think you've aged a year you know like the reality is that you don't have time to be taking all the photos all the time you know and I'm not saying that it isn't great to show the inside of law firms or to show what the cafeteria looks like or to show getting a Starbucks whatever but I think we've got to take the stuff with a bit of a pinch of salt Definitely. All these discussions about avoiding burnout and well-being and mental health and things like that. Obviously, there's a lot that you can do as an individual, but I think, you know, the profession as a whole and the organizations and, and, and the kind of companies that, that make it up, are they becoming more open to supporting their lawyers' mental health? And, and are they understanding how important this is for this kind of long-term career progression retention, do you think? 
Yeah, I mean, I think now that there's enough science that's come out that has made the firms realise, hold on a minute, there's something that has to be done about this. How firms are responding, I think, is different. And it's difficult to say without knowing exactly what every firm's doing. I know that there is still an awful lot of lip service to this stuff. You know, I, I've got friends and colleagues across the whole city who are working like crazy hours, ju just as they always have done. But I think, you know, especially since the pandemic, we're realising that people are voting with their feet. They want something different. It isn't just about working the long hours, earning a lot of money for a lot of people anymore. We're seeing a lot of law firm startups coming up, which is super exciting. It's kind of, you know, in the next few years, I think we're going to see a whole different dimension there. We've got people moving in house, people not living in the city anymore, even, you know, wanting to work from home more. And I think law firms are having to respond to that. I can see from sort of internet presence online and also from speaking to them, you know, there is much more of a push to understand well-being and mental health and what they can do. But as I say, from sort of, you know, hearing the, the news on the ground, I think it can differ a lot in terms of what's actually implemented in reality. Yeah, that's super interesting. I think things will, will have to get better, especially if people put these boundaries in and say, I'm not going to work overtime or, you know, these crazy hours that you've just given me too much work. You need to hire more people or you need to change the way you do things so I think often yeah change from blow up it is the way to make things happen but it's certainly true that a lot of law firms are paying more attention to kind of mental health and, and well-being and at least trying to start to understand kind of the implications on, on employees so it's definitely going in the right direction overall I wanted to chat a bit about how you support qualified and senior lawyers as well because you mentioned you do a bit of that and I thought it'd be interesting you know if somebody is at the beginning of their career now but just for them to understand perhaps the kind of issues and and, and, and coaching that you do for people who are, who are more senior I think at the junior end it's very easy to look at people's senior and just think well they've got it all sorted they know everything they sound amazing in meetings I wish I could be like that. They're just perfect. I mean, that's certainly how I used to look at the seniors and think, wow, if I, I couldn't even imagine being a senior. I was just like, wow, that's incredible. But, you know, a lot of the seniors have this similar or the same problems to the juniors because they haven't necessarily worked through them all. And it's like some of the most successful people have dreadful imposter syndrome. Working out how to have that really tough, confident mindset where you believe in yourself fully. As lawyers, we don't generally we're we, we're taught to scan the horizon for risk we're always looking for what can go wrong we're people pleasers we need that external validation all of this is a recipe for kind of inner turmoil but we all are taught to project this outward facade of success so then you end up with this chasm in between of okay I'm feeling like this on the inside this inner turmoil but I have to keep presenting this this front of success and it's like where does that leave you and so I think I, I work a lot with people on mindset and building themselves up and actually really starting to understand the value they bring and you know taking note of their achievements I think also on the well-being side what happens after a few years is people are like this is crazy I'm just burning out or I, I'm really struggling with my time management you know I work with very senior people on putting boundaries in place in their life saying for example well hold on a minute that person's just put that meeting in your diary and that's meant uh, you know you've lost half of your coaching session well how do you feel about that did that meeting have to go in it's fine for me I mean I turn up but you've lost out there mm -hmm. you know and they go oh, yeah you're right and actually that thing didn't have to be done so it, it's actually on quite a granular level I think helping them understand how they can manage their time how they can strategize and go in the direction they want to go in and how they can also really empower themselves from a mindset perspective Great. And how can listeners get in touch with you and, and find out more about you, Helen? 
So, I mean, I'm I'm very active on LinkedIn. I'm sort of, you know, set up shop there. So I'm pretty much there most days. I'm also on Instagram. I've got a tiny, weeny little TikTok, which I'm kind of ignoring at the moment, but <laughs> I am there as well. If you want to start following me there, um, I've got my website as well, which is helenpamley.com. So everything's under my name. So if you search for me, you will find me. And we'll put links to all of those in the bio as well. And we were hoping that Helen will come onto the Law Careers Net Instagram channel in the coming months to answer any of your questions as a career coach, anything, whether it's to do with the things we've spoken about today, burnout, imposter syndrome, building a sustainable career. So um, keep an eye out for that and do keep your questions and, and come and join us for our Instagram live, which will be advertised in the coming months. Perfect. Well, thanks so much for coming onto the podcast today. It's been great speaking to you. Thanks so much, Bethany. I hope you have a lovely day. Thank you again to Helen for coming onto the podcast and sharing her time with us. I really enjoyed the conversation and I hope you did too. Before I go, I just wanted to quickly remind you of our legal careers conferences, Law Careers Net Live, taking place in Manchester, London and virtually at the end of the year. Applications close on the 27th of October, so you've still got some time to put an application in and we hope to see lots of you there. You can find out more and apply at live.lawcareers.net. We'll see you in the next episode. Thanks for listening. 